Hello, and welcome to MediaMD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And we are back to talk about the very sad J- Japanese World War II film, Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Um, so, so, so why I, I, I did guess... you predict this, uh, prescribe this, Elliot? I mean, it's 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 powerful in a in it's a way. Powerful, I think yeah. pe- people should experience. I, I like. I mean, it's 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 not like a, a happy time, but no, I think it's it's, a, really, it's an important one. I mean, from what I had heard about this movie, I was expecting it to be a movie where it's like you know the first maybe hour is like positive and uplifting, and then the last half hour is really sad. And no. it was almost like that, but it was more just like everything's shit all the time, always. <laughs> yeah. No. It, it's. <clears throat> You're right. There is a sort of sense in this movie of just as things start to go right again, you get beaten back down by by some other event. You know, yeah. it's like just, just 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 whenever uh, Satsuko and Seta start to find their feet again, like uh, there'll be another bombing raid or something. Like, yes. you, like there's always something to just make yes. things terrible again. Yeah. Um. It really is a glum affair. So, um, spoilers ahead. Let's do this plot summary, shall we? Yeah, let's get into it. So the thing we first see is Seta, um, homeless in a train station in Japan, and his narration, which comes in at certain points throughout the film, says, this is the day that I die, and then we watch him die, and then some janitors come along and are like, oh, he's dead. Um, And then we flash back, and we kind of see what has led him to this point in his life, um, where his life went wrong, basically. We get to watch his life completely fall apart, so that's fun. Um... It's him and his younger sister. So he's maybe 15, 14, uh, I would guess. Yeah, that, um, that would be my guess as well. And his younger sister, uh, Setsuko, who is, what, like four or five? Yeah, I, yeah. again, that would be my guess. Um, they're living in Japan during uh, World War Two, towards the end of the war. Um, maybe in the last maybe five or six months of the war, something like that, yeah. I, I would say. Yeah, the last, the last few months for sure. Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, you know, he's living with his mother and we start and basically immediately we, there's a bombing range. Uh, Their town that they live in is bombed. um, And uh, he and his younger sister are split up from their mother who gets horrifically injured in this bombing raid. And we later find out has died off screen, actually. Um, (laughs) And from that high point, it just continues to get worse for our main character, Sato here. Yeah. Um, basically he and his sister go to live with a kind of distant aunt who is quite horrible to them. I mean, not like abusive, but like very mean to them. Um, and also kind of has a lot going on. I mean, it's wartime and there's not a lot of resources already, so it it gets quite strained quite quickly. Um, yeah, I think like, yeah, not, not to sort of distract from it all, but like to talk about the aunt. I think it's interesting because she starts off like really caring for them and then well does she though i mean the first time they meet um seta's like oh we're here because my mom's injured and then like uh, you know not even like the next day i think it is seta says actually my mom's dead i just didn't want to say that in front of setsuko and the aunt is like oh that's sad oh well back to work (laughs) you know it's like she's very cold to them from the get-go yeah i mean i i think I think something that comes up like a, a bit here and particularly centered around Seda is like really bad communication. And I, I think the aunt really is the, is the biggest example of this because really she seems to get mostly frustrated just because they're not pulling their weight. Yes. But she, she almost, at least on screen, never really seems to directly ask Seda to actually 
do anything, do anything or like exactly. go, go get a job. Like and, and, she's always yeah. she's always sort of cr- criticizing that he doesn't have a job or whatever, but um there's no effort to, to help him go and do that yes i don't know his explanation is well i used to work in the steel mill but that got bombed and i was at school but that got bombed so yep. what should i do and she's just like hmm, lazy boy and walks away or whatever um you're right it, it's kind of like it, it really feels like their relationship deteriorates and neither of them really puts in the like i don't know 60 seconds to two minutes that it would take to be like hey maybe let's try this dynamic instead and that will help um yeah and and i mean i think that's just like i i I don't know i feel like this this movie stands on a lot as like a critique i guess of a lot of the culture that was surrounding um some of this stuff like going on Like, like the way I mean, kind of. There's so many people treating each other like shit, basically, yes. um, throughout the whole thing, and I yeah. think I think it's maybe just part of that. Like, it's just people were too concerned with what was going on with them to care for other people enough. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's a fair point to make, but also it's like clearly a situation where if you're not completely looking out for yourself, you're you're you could die. You could run out of food. You could get into all kinds of horrible situations, not to mention just like get bombed by chance. Um, so it is, it, it's kind of like, yes, I guess that's a fair criticism and yes, people should be warmer together, especially in, in such dark times, but you can't really hold it against. Like I found myself uh, on my first, uh, as I was watching, really hating the art, but then kind of taking myself outside of Sato's head for a little bit and being like, well, fuck, this is such a horrible situation. And you know, her husband mm. is off in the war. She's got her daughter here. And they also have a lodger who is there with them, who is not part of the family, but is just kind of staying there as well. And it's like, how much does she, does she have to do for these kids that aren't hers in a time when they're already struggling to make ends meet and, like, they just don't have enough food, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. She is more horrible than is necessary to these, what, 14 and 4-year-old children. But um, but you can understand yeah, why she's yeah. not coping. It's obviously a yeah. very hard time, and I can't really begrudge anyone for not coping super well with it. Um, mm. So, uh, basically, uh, Sato gets fed up with this woman, um, and their relationship deteriorates more and more, until eventually he realises that they could just go and live in a kind of disused uh, bomb shelter that is nearby. Um so they do, Sata and Setsuko move out, and for a while it's this idyllic kind of no-adults-allowed style life, um, yeah. where they're chilling out and catching fireflies and having fun, but uh, the lack of modern conveniences really starts to fuck them up, because obviously Sata is just a child and is becomes unable to really find food, has to steal food. It, um, a, a scene I found really powerful is he goes around stealing from people during a bombing raid because they're all obviously at the shelter so he can go and steal from them and he obviously doesn't feel great about it but he kind of has to do this to survive um and finally well yeah mm-hmm. i mean in in his opinion he has to do this to survive yes I mean, true uh, there's that there's one point where someone's like why don't you just go apologize to your aunt and he's like not nah. yeah it's just like, oh come on buddy yeah um and we'll get about to what i think this movie is talking about later but um yeah. just to finish off the plot summary eventually Setsuko gets malnutrition and starts to deteriorate very rapidly. Um, and Seta just doesn't have the knowledge to, to combat this. Uh, he finally gets to take her to a doctor and is informed, hey, this is malnutrition. And he tries to do something about it, but it's too late and she dies. Um, and that's where the movie really ends. Uh, we get this kind of final scene of uh, after Setsuko has died, Seta uh, kind of has a few moments of, of freaking out and then... It's implied that he has died later on when we see him die in the train station, and then they're kind of reunited as uh, spirits. 
Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, it really is just, I, it's not even a roller coaster of emotions. It's just kind of a downward slide. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like, there's, this is an interesting, a really interesting piece. But I actually think the things to talk about, the things that are more interesting here, are the surrounding production of this movie than more than the actual story itself or the movie itself. Well, I think, like, like we've just sort of done a plot summary and I think it was quite, you know, quick or, yes, it's, or something. Yes, it's fairly from, high level, yeah. And it's because, like, I think the story isn't the important part of this movie. I think this yes. is a movie that's almost wholly crafted to hit you with with a, a certain group of feelings and mm. so the story exists only so far as it helps you feel those terrible feelings yeah even even that in that it's not like maybe there's 10 minutes of story or 20 minutes of story in here it's actually not very plot driven it almost reads more like kind of a series of vignettes of the life of these two children as they're living through you know what is maybe three months of of time um yeah yeah in this story yeah yeah i'd agree with that like it, it's it's not even really the story of the kids. It's the story of these events and how tragic they are. Like the, the focus is on the tragedy rather than the plot or the characters. To, I, to yeah, possibly. I think the thing that this film is trying to do is tell this story about Sater and his, uh, his kind of failure as a big brother. Right. And I'm going to get into the, mm. the surrounding things here. Let me, let me talk to you about this. So this film originally based on a short story called the grave of the fireflies um yeah which is uh related to the fact that um in the once they move into this kind of abandoned bomb shelter they start uh kind of collecting fireflies to use as a light source after the sun sets because obviously they're living in a place with no electricity um and these fireflies die very quickly because they're insects that don't have a long lifespan and so um we get this scene where setsuko basically is burying all these dead fireflies and and makes a point about you know why do they have to die so quickly just like our mother died or something like that. Um, yeah. It's obviously quite tragic. Um, and so, uh, sorry, I, I, I want to bring it back to the point I was trying to make was it's based on a short story written by this author uh, whose name is looking, looking, looking. Oh, it's been a while since I read about this. It, uh, but it's like, it, it's Aki autobiographical. Nosaka, yes. It's a semi-autobiographical short story. Um, the, the autobiographical bit being the the death of Setsuko is something that this author experienced um, in, in, in what they describe as almost identical circumstances to the way that Setsuko died of malnutrition. Um, mm. And they describe this short story being written as an apology to their sister, as an apology for like being a prideful 14 year old boy and not, not knowing enough and not being able to swallow their pride enough to, to, you know, get their sister back into a situation where they would have adequate nutrition basically yeah yeah um and i mean yeah so look the more we talk about this the more depressing it's going to be because it it, there's no there's no like nice stuff in this story it's all like there is a nice relationship between seta and setsuko but that's tainted by the fact that this is a story about a brother coming to terms with the fact that his actions led to the death of his four-year-old sister um, and there's no mm. way to spin that into something positive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, and I, I think that's why, partially, why the story is so effective, like because it's coming from a real place. Like, like yeah, 
Yeah, it is. It is very real, right? It, it feels like a very authentic story. And, like, I guess let's talk about the technical components of this story because it is really well made. Like, the animation is absolutely beautiful. The music is absolutely captivating. Like, the cinem- the cinematography of it is, is amazing. Like, um, Yeah, Studio Ghibli always has very beautiful films. And, yeah, And this of is course. no exception. Um, yeah, it's genuinely beautiful. Um, the... I think the scene that struck me the most in in that sense is after the first bombing raid where their mother is injured, uh, Seta goes through and is like picking up the the things that he's hidden in like a pot at, in the ruins of their house, yeah. and he's kind of car- wheeling this cart along through a completely flattened town, and it's got this music, and it's it's genuinely haunting just having him kind of strolling through this flattened town with his little you know cart. Mm. it's 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 incredibly beautiful um from a like aesthetic perspective and from an emotional perspective yeah yeah um i, I just like, there's there's just a number of of moments where you just sort of get lost in the animation especially i don't know about you i watch this movie with with subtitles mm. yeah um, uh, like in, in the japanese audio oh no i i watched it dubbed actually uh, so no hate oh, okay. no hate tweets please <laughs> <laughs> um i so I, I watched the the subtitled version and um like something because i don't watch much like subtitled stuff something that sort of tends to happen to me is i get stuck reading the subtitles rather mm. than watching mm. but there's definitely just a few moments in this movie where you, you just sort of get dragged away from the subtitles and you're just sort of looking at these you know beautiful shots slash drawings i don't know what the term is here but yeah 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 yeah, it was genuinely a captivating film. Um, there's there's a lot of scenes where uh, Setsuko is kind of bounding along in front of Seta as they're walking around, either you know to a place or from a place, and it's just the motion of it is just like enchanting. You feel like you're watching a little dance as this toddler kind of prances around on the screen. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Setsuko's just like happiness and optimism yeah, throughout energy, the whole thing. I think really is is what it, does it. Yeah, and that's what makes everything so much so much more tragic because opening <sighs> opening the movie with the knowledge like you basically start the movie knowing she's dead, and so watching her slowly deteriorate throughout the film from wait well it just even it even hurts when she's at peak happiness because you yeah. know where it's going and like it's just like and I I think that was like that's why usually I'm not a fan of opening particularly movies with like the ending and then cutting back to like you know but you're probably wondering how I got here. But that, that's not what this movie uses it for. This movie uses it to say, never get your hopes up. Like, this is going to be tragic the whole time. <laughs> and then you're left you're left feeling that throughout the whole movie. And I think that makes the effect of the movie so much stronger. Yeah. Yeah. God, it's glum, isn't it? Um, mm. uh, can we... I want to talk about the fact that um, this movie was originally released as a double feature with my neighbour Totoro. <laughs> which is crazy to me like they were like yeah let's put these two together and and i i mean that's something to talk about this is a movie that was uh marketed towards children and their parents right like this is a you're meant to go see my neighbor totoro and this as you're like as as children um which is kind of bonkers to think about right i actually i actually didn't know that yeah and that makes that makes absolutely zero sense to me like totoro get it that that's fine that's that's a kid's movie yeah. um this what's well, interesting this might be one of those things i don't know if kids might handle it better than adults like because it, it ruined me when i first saw it a couple of years ago and and, yeah. and rewatched it um earlier today it was a mistake to rewatch it so close to this recording because i'm still a bit emotional but um 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe kids just won't. Maybe kids aren't as affected by it, and they just process it better than adults. I don't know. It does kind of have a like a bit of an allegorical feel to it. Like there's a lot of things in it that feel slightly surreal, and maybe that's the vibe of like it's a story that children will be able to be like, okay, this is a, a basically a morality play about you know how how to behave in certain time. Mm. Um, and maybe that's the thinking there is it's meant to have that kind of like uh, that's the vibe I kind of got from it. It's like it it's imparting morals in a way that is immediately obvious to people and, and you can kind of get behind it regardless of how old you are, even though it is something that is contains obviously quite adult themes. Yeah. The, I mean I'm just thinking about it more and I still feel like that must have been a whoopsie. That they you reckon? Did, like marketing this yeah. movie to kids. I don't know. I'd be interested to. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I knew about this beforehand. I, I kind of want to go and read more about what the response was like to that. Like, if you took your family on a trip to see uh, Totoro and Grave of the Fireflies, like, how, how did you walk out of that feeling as an adult or as a kid? Yeah, I don't know. Is the answer to that? Yeah. How do you re- yeah how how did people take it at the time? It's an interesting question. Yeah, because yeah, like that's that's fascinating. Because I I mean definitely when I saw this, um, like I mean my big takeaway was just sort of the you see all the selfishness going on. Like I think that's the thing that dr- is driven home to me watching this movie every time is just how selfish everyone is, and it makes me take a step back and think about like who I might not be taking care of or mm. neglecting or or whatever. Um. And I mean, yeah, it'd, be, it'd just be so interesting to see what, what kids' response to that is, because I feel like kids might re- relate more to Satsuko rather than Sato. Well, it depends how young they are, I suppose. Yeah, um, true, true. Yeah, but then I, I don't know what the lesson you take is if you're Satsuko. It's don't rely on your brother who doesn't know enough about <laughs> nutrition, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that, but that's the thing. Satsuko is in this. She's, she's almost like she's just so innocent. Yeah. Um, cause she's so young, like she's, she's really just a victim. Um, yeah, it just sucks. <sighs> yeah. It's just glum the whole way through. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else to say about this film? I, I don't know that I have that much to say about it. I mean, it's sad the whole way through. I think the production is very interesting to me. The fact that it was released with my neighbor Totoro, like that's pretty bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, okay, I agree. I think like this this may end up just being a short episode just because this is a movie that yeah does like one thing and does it very well which is you know hit you with these feels um and and so you know maybe it doesn't give us too much to talk about but it does sort of that doesn't mean it's not effective like because I, I think it definitely was for me at least watching it again uh yeah no it, I, I felt like it affected me for sure um I don't know I I don't I actually think this is a movie that has been built up so much by what i've heard of like this is the saddest movie you're gonna you're gonna shit yourself with sadness watching it (laughs) and it was i mean it obviously was sad but i didn't i don't know what it was i I felt a bit disconnected from it at times and actually maybe it's there was this stylistic thing about it that i found interesting which was basically it, it will often have these moments of okay i think it's a combination of two things right so the first thing is the sense of time in this film is one that's quite hard to follow and you get the sense that that's intentional right like it's kind of meant to blur together a bit um there's this moment where the aunt says oh you've been living with us for a a month now and you've done nothing since you've been here and i was like whoa i thought it was like four days at most at this point (laughs) um and there's this other technique they do where it seems like Sator basically has little hallucinations of himself 
and then those hallucinations hallucinations become like the the transition to the next bit of the story so you know he's walking along and he'll look down and see himself and he'll kind of react to himself like oh i can see myself and then we look at the other version of himself and that's him in the future and then we're in in that time period and we've kind of jumped forward you know a week or two weeks or whatever it is and it's this interesting technique that and i i assume relates back to the idea that this whole movie is um Sator kind of coming to grips with his life and this journey after his death and so it's a bit disconnected and it's a bit uh surreal in that way um but i think it had this effect of kind of taking me out of a bit where it's a bit like wait what's going on now is he like actually hallucinating is this like a storytelling device um yeah i i would actually agree with that i do remember the first time i watched the film getting a bit confused about when exactly things are happening like it's not it's not explicitly like three months earlier yes um, like from at the very start of the film we get that scene of him dying and him being found by the janitor and then he like sees himself getting onto a train with setsuko and i'm like wait sorry i'm lost and then it's like okay they've gone back into the past and obviously contextualizes itself but that thing happens maybe three or four times and each time watching it i was like okay wait what's what's going on yeah i i think because i my understanding of it especially after the second time viewing it was it's we're sort of seeing his life flash before his eyes yes. type situation although um, it's after he's died which is again a little bit off but whatever well, y- yeah, it's allowed. yeah um but no i agree so it's kind of like you're getting that, that these flash forwards and backs and they're not they're not quite explicit and at time there were a few times so that made it a bit difficult to yes follow um i think as you said it like once you get over that uh like once or twice uh, for me once once it had happened once or twice i just sort of stopped caring and then i was able to engage with yes what uh, what each vignette was yes and i think that's good because it does give it this kind of surreal sense which i think actually really does help the film not just from a in-universe perspective of like he is becoming malnourished and starving and so of course he would have these weird like surreal moments um but also just it contributes to the tone of this film, which is this kind of, yeah, like like a like a fairy tale almost. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's take this uh, classic piece of cinema and boil it down to one a one digit number, shall we? <laughs> well, I mean, it could be two digits technically. <laughs> could be two digits, but uh, it's not. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, I quite liked it, but I do feel like there were parts that just didn't click with me and i'm not i think it i think i will need to watch it again to um to to get into it more and i think actually it's a problem with the format of when i was watching this i was making notes at the same time and it felt a bit too clinical for what is a movie that you're just meant to experience like it's very much an experiential mm. kind of film and so i think the fact that i was taking notes as i watched it actually didn't help <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fair I, i've noticed i mean I, I don't know how much we need to talk about this on air i guess but i i've noticed i've have some things where i keep pausing or, or jumping over to the side to take notes and other things where i just absorb it and then take notes after the fact and yes. i found just just following my instincts with those sorts of things has has led me to you know hope, hopefully appreciate things better or worse depending on on how that what they are like you know something like this i probably wouldn't have been taking notes during it yeah i, I feel like in. it was a mistake afterwards i, I feel <laughs> like i should have watched this movie with a few people in as close to a theatrical experience as possible you know mm, um yeah i think that really would help this film but hey that's life sometimes you know that's life um yep. so uh, i'm i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten which i think actually is probably lower than this film deserves but 
that's the representation of my <laughs> feelings towards it. Yeah, um, yeah it just... Yeah. It, I, I don't yeah. know. I can't critique it. I can't figure out what was the thing that led to me not... That led to me docking two points off of it. But it just kind of was like... It, it just didn't... There were parts of it that just didn't quite click for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I mean... From the sounds of it, though, it, it still managed to hit you, which is like, I've never met yes. someone who watched this and was just like, oh, no, yeah, that was okay. <laughs> bit, bit, bit boring, didn't really feel anything. Like, I've never met someone who, who yeah. wasn't affected by the film. You'd have to be pretty callous to, to react that way to this film because this is a film that is very... It's designed to, to play on your emotions, right? Um, designed competently yeah. to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so from one, uh, you know... Uh, scene of horrors let's say to another what are we talking about next fortnight elliot uh so we got another uh listener suggestion um this one comes to us from aqua buddha Mm -hmm. thanks uh, who recommends little shop of horrors yeah let's listen to their prescription now all right so i'm gonna prescribe little shop of horrors because somehow elliot has never seen it um since elliot's not familiar with it i believe ruben seemed to have been it's a horror comedy musical from 1986 that starred uh, Rick Moranis and uh, Steve Martin and then also had some guest appearances by like uh, Bill Murray and it's just a super fun thing. It's based off of a off-Broadway musical um, that has a different ending than the movie has Um, so there is actually they did actually film the alternative ending Uh, for this you know feel free to just watch the original movie and the ending there, but it's one of those things that I think everyone should see. And the fact that Elliot hasn't just boggles my mind. So yeah, that's that's my prescription. Uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Um, really curious to know what you think. So this is a film that I know one thing about and one thing only. And I'm not going to say it because Buddha didn't mention it in their prescription. And I feel like if you go into it without knowing this, it'll probably be better. I mean, I've never seen it, so I can't say for sure. But yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but people who know right. this probably know the one major character that is in this that it would be interesting to know that is in this film. <laughs> Do you like, just want me to take my headphones off for a minute? Yeah, Elliot, and... just take off your headphones. I'm going to be <laughs> editing this one. So, um, all right, Elliot, you gone? Okay. So there's a giant like alien plant in this one, right? And I, I don't, I wonder if that's like going to be a surprise to Elliot when he finds that out but I'm excited to see what it would be like to not know that that exists in this film when you watch it anyway uh, Elliot you can put them back on now hey are you done Um, (laughs) but yeah so going into this without knowing that I think I'm very interested to hear your take on this film and I've never seen it maybe the thing that I think is a spoiler is actually not a spoiler Um, but this this is from what I understand like it's a and from what Buddha said it's like a horror comedy musical um it's going to be weird. It's going to be wild. And I think it's going to be a real palate cleanser after Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I look forward to it then. The only other thing I know about this is they've recently done like a redo of it or some of it on Broadway. And um, the main character is played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And I'm so like into that. Ooh, I think that's really fun. Yeah. So um, I guess we can talk about that in a fortnight as well. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, should we go and watch it and see what we think? Yeah, let's uh, let's head off. All right. See you, folks. Um, if you are going to watch Little Shop of Horrors with us and you want to uh, let us know what your favourite song from the movie is, because this is a musical, so of course at least 15 minutes of it we'll be talking about which our favourite song is. Um, yep, definitely. If you want to do that, you can leave us comments by shooting us an email 
uh, with our email address, which is mediamdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yes. You can also find us on Twitter, at mediamdpodcast. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't do live reads there anymore, but this, you know, we post the episodes and, and some other stuff, Yeah, there's, I guess. there'll be stuff on there. Why not, huh? Um, and what else do we still do, Elliot? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so something that'll be starting up next week over on the old Deep Impact feed is uh, we're launching our pilot season where we're picking uh, what our next show is going to be now that Deep Impact is, is all packed up. Yeah, I mean, we finished Deep Impact. That happened in the fortnight since our last episode so um now it's a full complete collection so you can go and check it out yeah if you include if you include the live stream it's only like five days long yeah um, you can binge that in under a week listen to all of it um yeah so yeah uh and you know if if you haven't listened to deep impact but you want to get on board whatever we're doing next uh hop on over into that feed listen to some of the pilot episodes let us know what you think because uh we're going to be using those to sort of decide where we go from here yeah uh, the pilot episodes are brought to you by our lovely donors from our live stream and also from all our lovely patrons so if you want to become a lovely patron go to www.patreon.com forward slash doof media and you can support the network and find out about all the other great things that are happening at doof media yeah, uh, so I think we're about to hit our patron goal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're close uh, yes. to uh, for Matthias and Jarvis to start looking at publishing some of the Do the Right Things stories. Oh yes. Um, so I, I'm not sure. I think we're like ten patrons away. So if you're not a patron, you've been on the fence. You know, now's the time to do it. Um, I think yeah, Matthias and, and Jarvis are kind of really excited to sort of figure out what it would take to start to get some of the listener stories uh you know as well as, as other people who've been contributing yeah get those out into a real book that you yeah, can buy a, and... a real physical printed literary journal um which yeah, i become think is a great. published yeah. author yeah it's, you can you can add that to your tinder profile yeah yeah totally <laughs> yeah you can claim that on your cv forever um so if you want to find out more about all of those things you can go to doofmedia.com that's the home of all the doof media shows uh you can find our twitter how to contact us the patreon and you can also find all of the past clues for the media md arg where you can help us figure out just who is dr md and why is his aunt so mean Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Bottle cap. Bottle cap. And we'll see you next fortnight.